Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our Grassroots Government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and we've got a great show lined up for you today with some great guests. Of course, we'll start it off with news headlines and then follow that with a visit with Louisiana Congressman Ralph Abraham. He sits on the House Agriculture Committee, and we're going to dig deep into the Farm Bill, at least the House version of the Farm Bill. We'll talk to Richard Fontenot as we go out in the field to see what he has going on on his Evangeline Parish farm. He is very busy, like many of you, trying to get soybeans in the ground right now. We'll hit the markets with Greg Fox and Mark Tall of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association, and we'll talk cattle markets with Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. And we'll wrap it up with a look at the ag calendar where we'll talk to Taylor Fry. She's state coordinator for the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Institute about a bus tour they have coming Coming up in a few days. One quick note before we get started, I want to remind you once again to please subscribe to our podcast. If you're an Apple iPhone user, use your podcast app, search for Louisiana Agriculture, you'll find it there and subscribe to it. If you're an Android phone user, use the Google Music app, search for Louisiana Agriculture, you'll find it, subscribe there as well. Do that because that way it automatically downloads each week and you never miss an episode. Of course, we also have two streaming options available for you. You can stream the podcast and download it from our website, voiceoflaag.org, and you can stream or download it from SoundCloud. Four ways you can get to the podcast. Again, I encourage you to subscribe and never miss an episode. Let's kick it off right now with a look at Louisiana Ag News Headlines. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. More than 900 farmers and ranchers in 51 parishes across Louisiana are set to receive disaster recovery grants to help compensate for losses from the disastrous flooding that occurred in both March and August of 2016. Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Mike Strain. Uh, We had over 1,000 applicants, of which 961 are eligible. Maximum grant, $12,185. We mailed award letters to each recipient on April 26th, and the letters listed the closing dates, times, and locations 
for finalization. So we have to we'll have the documents signed. Strain says the Restore Louisiana Task Force allocated $10 million for farm recovery to his department as part of $1.7 billion in community development block grant disaster recovery money from the federal government. The reason we do this is because the disaster provisions or the farm bill are very inadequate, and that's why every time there's a major disaster here and across the United States, we have to get a special legislation from the federal government and as part of the overall disaster recovery efforts to get money for our farmers to help them with their uninsured losses. The latest Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report shows that sorghum planting is now 45% complete in Louisiana. That's well behind the 79% five-year average pace. Now that is a number you can take with a grain of salt because we're expected to have very little sorghum acreage in the state this year. But everything else is right on track. Rice planting is about done at 93% complete. It looks like those last few fields seem to be mostly crawfish ponds that are waiting to be drained and planted. Soybean planting now rolling at full steam. 40% of the crop in the ground, that is right on schedule with the average pace. Sugarcane crop rating shows 6% of the crop excellent, 37% good, 52% rated fair, and 5% rated poor. The Louisiana wheat crop continues to move toward harvest. 93% of the wheat has now headed. 21% is coloring. Wheat ratings show 3% in the excellent category, 39% good, 50% fair, and 8% poor to very poor. Now, we mentioned that Louisiana soybean planting is on pace with the five-year average. However, we are way behind where we were at this time last year. Don Molino has more on that. LSU Extension Service Ag Center soybean specialist Dr. Todd Spivey at the Deanley Research Station reports planting is a bit behind last year at this same time. The middle of last week, we were sitting about 25% of our beans were in the ground. This time last year, we were a little over 50% of our beans were in the ground. This is most likely due to this cold weather and these wet weathers that we've been having. Most of our growers were able to delay planting enough to get away from that those, the cold weather that we had. Some of the beans that were in the ground were a little slow because of the weather, but most folks delayed enough that we shouldn't have too much of an issue with any cooling and chilling injury or anything like that. USDA forecast was putting us about uh, 1.3 million, which was a little above last year. But I would not be surprised if a fair amount of corn acreage is transitioned into soybean acreage this year just because wet, cold weather we had. There was a, a fair amount of corn acres that weren't able to be put in the ground. Uh, so that number could be a little higher, but that 1.3 was what uh, the USDA forecast had going into the year. Insects shouldn't be too big of an issue right now. I think uh, with the weather that we've had, the growers should be a little more concerned with some of the seedling diseases. Most of our seed treatment should take care of any of that. Uh, some of our research done by one of our pathologists has said that there's no need for any additional seed treatment on top of the commercial seed treatments that are often utilized. But that could be one of our biggest issues we're facing right now, mainly due to the cool, wet weather and the slow growth because of that cool, wet weather. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. U.S. trade negotiators were in China this week to discuss possible Chinese tariffs on a list of U.S. agricultural products, including soybeans. With Louisiana soybeans now going in the ground, that has a lot of farmers nervous, like Joey Olivier of St. Landry Parish. 
tariff does concern me for a long-term price decrease because we're working on a very thin margin of profit on soybeans as it is. $10 is about what it takes just to be close to uh, being in the profit margin. Today, I think soybeans are selling for $10.30 something, so there's not a whole lot of profit margin to be made. And it's having an effect on all aspects of soybean production, from farmers to agribusinesses. Dennis Markintel is a district manager for Monsanto. Kind of early, uh, but if you give it another month or two, the commodity market could go down some more and uh, some of these uh, guys in south Louisiana could back off the uh, soybean acre. Point Capee Parish farmer Ray Shakesnyder sits on the United Soybean Board. And while he says they're hoping that the tariffs do not take effect, they're still working very hard to open other markets for U.S. soybeans. Being that China is our biggest importer of soybeans, it was kind of a big scare when it first got announced, thinking that they would retaliate. But... Um, I don't know if there's just that much uh, usage worldwide. That, and, and that's what kind of the United Soybean Board that I serve on, we're uh, starting to look into some of these countries that aren't such big users of beans and trying to get them to use more. Meanwhile, U.S. grain exporters confirmed this week that for now, China has definitely stopped buying U.S. soybeans. That is a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. And don't forget, you can always find more on our website, voiceoflaag.org. We update that site every day with the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Don't forget to sign up for our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice, and it comes to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. with the latest Louisiana agriculture news. You can sign up right there on the website, voiceoflaag.org. There's a button, click it, fill it out, and you'll get that email every single morning. Coming up next, we go to the halls of government to talk to Congressman Ralph Abraham about the Farm Bill. We'll dig deep into all the changes that the House version of the Farm Bill contains and what its future holds as it moves through the legislative process. Grassroots Government is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country, and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family, and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On our Grassroots Government segment this week, we talk with Louisiana 5th District Congressman Dr. Ralph Abraham. Dr. Abraham sits on the House Agriculture Committee. Dr. Abraham, thanks so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I specifically want to talk about the Farm Bill today, Dr. Abraham, and you did an interview with Avery Davidson here a few weeks ago right after that bill had been released by the committee. Since that interview, that Farm Bill has been passed by the House Ag Committee. 
but it was on a party line vote. Now, typically, farm state Democrats are pretty supportive of farm bills. Why the party line opposition this time, do you think? Well, unfortunately, it's a just party politics uh, in an election year. The uh, Democrats are really being obstructionists in this farm bill. They have been involved in every committee hearing and even writing the bill for the last three years. But then right before the Easter break, uh, they decided that they were going to uh, be opposed to it. Unfortunately, I haven't found one yet that will vote for it. And uh, as you have said, a farm bill should be bipartisan. Everybody either grows the food or eats the food, uh, and it's just an unfortunate uh, event. We will certainly in the House, uh, I think, have plenty of votes to pass it. The problem comes in the Senate that if the Senate Democrats do the same thing as the House Democrats, then we could have a problem getting the bill passed and get to the president to sign. It is a good bill for a lot of reasons. Well, let's dig into it. One of the biggest changes in this bill is that we got cotton back into Title I, making it a program crop once again. Really big accomplishment for Louisiana cotton producers. Was this something that was a really high priority for the committee? Exactly. Certainly a high priority for me, uh, being on the Agriculture Committee as the only member of the Louisiana delegation. You know, cotton is still a major crop uh, in our state. As you know, cotton was in the stack program, wasn't very uh, good for cotton. We were glad to uh, bring them into the fold. So that's uh, I think that's made our cotton producers certainly uh, a little uh, happier and given them a better safety net uh, should, you know, we have one of these natural disasters hit again. Congressman, the whole reason that cotton was left out of the last farm bill was a WTO dispute. Now that we've put it back in, are we at risk at getting in trouble with the WTO again, or did we make some tweaks to make this thing WTO friendly? Well, we did make some tweaks, but of course, anytime we deal with the WTO, uh, you know, we have to keep our antennas up and, uh, you know, our armor on, so to speak. So we're okay now. Uh, looking down the road, I continue to think that we will be okay, but it's certainly we will keep uh, our eye on that ball for sure. Another big improvement that we saw in this farm bill was strengthening the dairy safety net. Um, How is this going to help Louisiana dairy farmers? Well, you know, unfortunately, our dairy farmers in Louisiana are not the 10 and 15 and even 20,000 dairy farms that they have in other parts of the country, such as Wisconsin. So, you know, they do uh, struggle with a disadvantage with just maintaining of their family farms. The margin protection program was what we had helped the dairy farmers with before. In the farm bill, it's going to be renamed the Dairy Risk Management Program, which basically says in this bill that the first 5 million pounds of milk production on a dairy is made eligible for some higher coverage levels at lower premiums. And that's where our dairy farmers were getting just crushed where the premiums were just too high for the margin protection program that they were having to uh, use uh, just to make any money, uh, much less make a lot of money. They were just trying to keep from losing money. So this does help them some. They are still struggling like, you know, most farm uh, families are in these uh, low commodity price days, but maybe we've given them just a little bit of uh, room to breathe. So we'll see what happens. Congressman, one of the favorite punching bags in the farm bill always seems to be the sugar program, although that program operates at no cost to the taxpayers and is a huge 
economic help to the economy of Louisiana and our sugarcane farmers. Do you feel like we're going to see those attacks again, and does this bill keep the current sugar program intact? It does, and there is, in this particular farm program, the 2018 Farm Bill, there is no taxpayer cost for the U.S. sugar policy. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, some of the people, even in our own party, don't get this. Uh, We understand and we know that uh, other countries are dumping sugar onto our market, you know, making prices uh, so low that our sugar producers, again, just can't make money. They just take a huge loss. So the Farm Bill does protect them to a point. Uh, But again, the good news here is this is a no taxpayer cost uh, program. So it's a win-win. We've got to convince, and that is part of my job, some of our uh, members of our own Republican Party, that sugar is a wonderful product. We need to take care of our own farmers. And, I, you know, I, I we'll worry about the global market, but let's worry about the United States first. Congressman, let's switch to Title II now, the conservation title of the Farm Bill. I know that there have been some changes in this Farm Bill to programs like the Conservation Security Program. There have been some CRP, Conservation Reserve Program, changes. How is that going to affect the conservation programs in this country going forward? Well, yeah, you know, uh, what I've been asked is the uh, Conservation Reserve Program, the CRP or the CSP or any of those going to be eliminated? And the answer is no. We do want to increase the CRP acreage to 29 million acres over the life of this farm bill while we'll cap the rental rates on that particular money. But there's going to be uh, $250 million per year for the uh, Regional Conservation uh, Partnership Program. Uh, there's going to be $500 million per year for the Agriculture Conservation Easement Program, the ASAP. And then there's money for the Small Watershed Rehabilitation. Now, what we want to happen is that for a lot of these programs to morph into what you and I call EQIP, the Environmental Quality Incentive Program. And this is going to increase the EQIP funding to $3 billion per year over the life of the Farm Bill. And it's going to incorporate the best features of what you refer to, the the CSP, the Conservation Stewardship Program, into the most successful and possible working land initiatives. Again, these are initiatives that we want to benefit our farmers, benefit the land, uh, but again, pay our farmers for doing the right thing. Chairman Conaway has said that he hoped that he could get this bill to the House floor in early May. Well, here we are. It's early May. Do we think we're going to be on that schedule? We do. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have a house, uh, a full House vote on it uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I, again, I think it'll pass on the uh, House side. I'm still a little worried on the on the Senate, Senate side, but you know we'll uh, we'll work the Senate side too. Louisiana Fifth District Congressman Ralph Abraham, a member of the House Agriculture Committee, thanks so much for joining us on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks, guys. Y'all have have a wonderful week. Coming up next, we go in the field to talk with one of you. We go to Evangeline Parish to visit with Richard Fontenot on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And we go in the field this week to Evangeline Parish. We're talking with Richard Fontenot, and Richard is a rice and soybean producer there in Evangeline Parish. Richard, how you doing today? You rocking and rolling? Yeah, Gary, we're doing good today. We're trying to get a few soybeans planted uh, before the showers this weekend and uh, making some good headway. Hey, Richard, let's talk a little bit about uh, yourself. A lot of uh, listeners may not know who you are. You and I have known each other for a lot of years. I got to thinking about it today. We went to LSU together 30 years ago. Can you believe it's been that long? Yeah, you didn't need to tell everyone that, Gary. <laughs> It's a long time. It has been a long time. My son is graduating from LSU next weekend, so it really makes me feel old. No, it's uh, it's really an honor and a privilege to work with folks for that period of time. I've been fortunate to work with you for that long of time, and both in our respective careers, and it's uh, truly been a blessing. Richard, before we get to talking about farming, I want to talk a little bit more about you. And, and as you've said, we've known each other a long time uh, and watched each other's careers. One thing that I have noticed about you over the last 30 years is that, yes, you have been a full-time farmer, uh, farming along with your brother Neil there uh, in Evangeline Parish, but you spend a lot of time away from the farm being involved in your industry. You're very involved in Farm Bureau. In fact, you're currently the third vice president of the Louisiana Farm Bureau. You've been involved in the Farm Bureau's Rice Advisory Committee. You've been involved in rice producer organizations. And all of this is on your time. You don't exactly get paid for any of this. So why have you put so much time into things off the farm and in your industry? Jared, being an advocate, for agriculture, it's, it's an honor and a privilege in itself, and I've been very fortunate to have folks that believed in me over the last 30 years, as you as you alluded to, in, in terms of uh, opportunities to participate. Growing up, I've always thought that you, you're in better shape to be part of the decision-making process in whatever capacity you can than having to listen to all of the rules. I'd rather be part of the rule-making than not. And the other thing it allows us to do is in our operation and in the industry as a whole is to be more active. And I find when you have regional representation of a particular industry or a sector, it provides validity in, in some of the rulemakings across the board. And it makes for a better career opportunity along the way. Side note to that is I do spend a lot of time, but I do have a tremendous support staff back at home. You know, my brother and I formed together. I formed my father prior to that, my grandfather prior to that. I've had the opportunity to form with three generations, and I have fabulous folks back at home that allow me opportunities to get away from the farm at those non-opportune times to address certain issues as they arise. Well, let's talk a little bit about the farm. We already mentioned that you are going full speed ahead right now, trying to get soybeans in the ground. How many acres of beans are you trying to get in this year? We're trying to get in about 1,800. 
we got some crawfish lakes. Was still questionable whether or not we'll fish those all the way into June or not. As the production decreases on those ponds, we drain them off. So between 1,800 and 2,000, we anticipate putting in this year. Any issues so far getting that seed in the ground, other than I guess weather? Yeah, the weather's been really tough. Uh, it's been cold and wet, uh, not unlike many other areas this spring. It's been a challenge. We just started planting here last Thursday, working ground and getting it in the ground. So it's uh, it's just allowing us a good opportunity. But we're the first of May, and uh, we're we're sixty percent planted. So I feel very fortunate at this stage. Richard, you mentioned crawfish ponds. How was your crawfish production this year with this crazy winter and spring? You know, Gary, the crawfish production as a whole, I think, is going to be down this year. I think the cold temperatures delayed some of the activity of the crawfish uh, as a whole. The size was okay, but production is going to be off. I think we lost 25 to 30 days of production in that range and, and delay of their activity with the cold weather and waters they had to live in. So hopefully we see some of this on the backside of the production, but it's yet to be seen. Richard, I know rice is also a big part of your operation. How many acres of rice have you gotten put in and, and are you all done? Have you gotten everything wrapped up on getting rice in the ground? Yeah, we're real fortunate. We had some short windows we were able to put in uh, the rice crop this year. We got a little over 1,800 acres in. All looking pretty good. The, these cold nights and days have really uh, put a short statute to the crop out there. Having a difficult time just over the last three days when we got nighttime temperatures in the 60s and above that rice finally started moving again so you got a lot of folks in this area just getting permanent floods established rice is just growing again it's been fairly dormant the last two weeks three weeks if you will and uh, it's just moving good enough where they can do some good and we can get some water and fertilizer out and get this crop on its way richard will this slow start to the rice crop cause you any problems down the road when we start getting toward harvest time I think we're going to have a little delay in harvest. We had some crop going fairly early, but I'm afraid we're going to have a little delay for us. It'll delay some of the stocking of the crawfish. And also, it possibly will have a little effect on the ratoon crop, which is what we reflood up and try to get a second harvest on this in the fall. We might have a little issue with there with some nighttime temperatures catching us on the backside. So too early to tell, but it, it definitely will definitely see a delay in harvest, I believe. We are in the field with Richard Fontenot. He's running full speed today, trying to get soybeans in the ground before the weekend rains. Richard, thanks so much for joining us here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Garrett, thank you for what you do, and, and I appreciate everything. Next, it's time to look inside the markets with the experts from the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg Fox and Mark Tall will join us to talk about the grain and rice markets. And Dave Foster is on tap to talk about the cattle markets. Coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Now to look at markets, we talk with Greg Fox. He's a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, let's talk about the soybean market. It has been quite a volatile week. We've seen some pretty big moves in this market. I know that U.S. negotiators have been in China continuing to talk about that Chinese trade situation and the possible tariffs on U.S. soybeans. Has that been a big factor this week in this market? It has. Um, Yesterday, the markets were pretty weak, and then we saw a push right towards the end of the trading session, and that was just because of talks of the U.S.-China deal that was really positive. So they felt real good about it, and so you saw a big run right there towards the end. Going into it today, not quite as positive. Um, they're still talking, but they still doesn't seem like they've come to any kind of agreement. So as long as that's there, you're going to see somewhat of this back and forth, I think, in the market. But overall, still very solid, even though we're down. You know, the market's still trading comfortably in that 1040 range, which is a good sign for us. Greg, we've talked about the corn market the last few weeks and the fact that it's just uh, really hadn't done a whole lot. looks like this week we actually saw a little life in the corn market. We did. Uh, wheat had a big run, and that really helped drive the corn market up a little bit. And even though it's traded down a little bit this week, the upside has still been more than the downside. So, you know, new crop corn for us. You know, September futures, you know, 410 up to 415, been real solid. So it's really good to see corn. If you look at the chart, it's just a steady uptrend. Hopefully that can continue. Argentina and Brazil, um, the weather is not very favorable for their corn crop. So we could see a lot more purchases from the U.S., potentially from them as well. Argentina has been buying a bunch of soybeans from us. So we could see some of those corn exports shift to the U.S. that would potentially get some of that stuff out of South America. So a little bit further down the road, we could see a little bit more positive news for corn. Greg, you mentioned the wheat market. We've seen wheat make both double-digit gains and double-digit losses this week. Does that have to do with the weather up in the big wheat-producing areas of the country? Yeah. um, They get rain. They don't get rain. Um, Crop condition scores improve, back off a little bit. Um, But overall, the wheat condition scores, they're still behind the pace, you know, behind last year in the five-year average. So there is definitely some concerns there on just how much wheat we're going to have. They've knocked the production down some more. So it's going to be tough for those wheat growers in the Midwest. Um, But hopefully, you know, we see these numbers hold steady. You know, we're well into the $5. Uh, We didn't see these kind of prices last year. If we can get the bases to firm up, you know, what little bit of wheat is out there in Louisiana, hopefully can get get a good price. All right. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate you joining us on the podcast this week. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next time. From soybeans, corn, and wheat to rice. Earlier in the week, we talked with Mark Tall. He's a rice marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association's rice marketing office in Crowley. Mark says the rice market is in a downtrend right now. The overall trend is on the weekly chart is lower on the old crop. Volume seems to be down as well as we move from old crop to new crop contracts. When there's really not enough positive momentum, traders lose interest because the lack of supporting news is missing, which keeps market interesting. We haven't seen very many years where the rice crop didn't carry us into the new crop season. However, 2017 crop will go down as one of those years. Uh, you would think that prices should increase. However, stiff competition is a major factor. The cash prices on old and new crop are unchanged. In the last week, Mother Nature has really set the tone for much-needed weather improvements, for the most part, on new crop. It has improved things such as 
going from a pale green plant to a lush dark green while adding a slight growth spurt as well. Rice marketer Mark Tall. Now let's take a quick look at how the markets wrapped up on Friday. May soybeans dropped 16 cents to finish out the week at 10.27 and a quarter. November beans down 12 and a quarter, 10.37 and a quarter. Corn was slightly lower. May down three quarters, 3.98 and three quarters. September corn down one and three quarters, 4.13 and three quarters. July wheat down 11 and three quarters to finish at 5.26 and a quarter. Rough rice closed lower. July rice down eight and a half, 12.93. September rice down two and a half. 1220 and a half. The cotton market was higher with old crop July jumping 240 points to close at 86.90. New crop December cotton up 98.8057. July sugar down 9 points 2451. We're going to switch gears now and talk about the cattle market and to do that we go to Dave Foster. Dave is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana and he spent many many years working in market news at the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry, and he was one of those guys that was putting all of those market reports together for us. So definitely a wealth of knowledge, Dave. I'm glad you bring that to the podcast. Not a problem. Glad to do it. Dave, let's first talk about what happened a few weeks ago. The last time I had you on the podcast, we were talking from Natchitoches at the Superior Livestock Gulf Coast Classic Sale. When we talked, it was in the middle of the sale. The Louisiana yearlings had already sold. You said they did a a very good job, great prices, but the calves, which were the majority of the cattle in the sale for Louisiana, had yet to sell. What was the performance of those Louisiana calves in that big sale? Just like the yearlings, uh, Carrie, it was a very positive day uh, with all the negativity that was around the markets at that time. These mixed loads of steers and heifers with the uh, heifers bringing 8 to $12 back to the steer price, they really sold good. And especially as we got out into that August time frame, July, August time frame, I thought, for the, again, for the mark that it was back then, they did well. They had the 450 to 5 weight mixed steers and heifers bring 164 to 171 for May through August delivery with one load of those cattle uh, September-October delivery for 176. The 5 to 6 weights brought from 157 to 165 for May to September delivery. And the 6 to 7 weight mixed loads of steers and heifers brought 152 to 156 with uh, the reputation cattle, uh, which are basically the cattle that's been there for 30 years or people have had them consigned over a length of time, and they brought from 159 to 161. So I was very, very pleased with how the sale went. Dave, let's talk about the fed cattle market real quick. I was looking at fed cattle prices this week. We saw a big jump. We started out the week Packers were bidding 122 feedlots uh, weren't going for that. We ended up selling cattle at 128 this week, so a, a big jump, a big show of strength in the fed cattle market. What do you think that means uh, for this market moving forward? The thing about it is that most of all the talk that we hear, of course, in around the marketplace is the board. Well, the Chicago Merkin board, they're, they're at this, and June futures are somewhere around 106 and change. But in the last three weeks, this basis, that's the spot price compared to the uh, futures price, 
that basis has gone from like 18 to $20 a hundredweight difference between the two, and that set all sorts of records. It's never been that wide before, and so there's a couple of things to answer your question, Kerry, is that these feedlots have decided that, you know, we can move these cattle, and uh, they're kind of holding out for these prices because they know that these packers, A, are making money, and more importantly, especially for the packer, is our beef demand is really outstanding this time of year, especially, and maybe it's because of the winter weather all over the place. Uh, these people are finally digging out and finding their um, their backyard barbecue pits and grills and deciding, hey, we want to grill some steaks out there. And then, of course, the big thing, too, is we've got Mother's Day coming up, and we've got Memorial Day coming up. We've got Father's Day in June. So those are big, big beef eating events at that time. And, and so I think that all plays into the fact with this higher market like it is. Well, Dave, we're talking about fed cattle prices. And of course, we don't feed any fed cattle here in Louisiana. But these prices do have a big effect on what our Louisiana cattle producers get for their calf crop. No, we don't feed any cattle here. But our feeder cattle prices are really based on how these things happen. And so, again, because our feeder cattle, just like I told you here about the superior video sale of those cattle when they start coming to market, we're ahead in the southeast. We're ahead of the rest of the world in marketing cattle because they, they come earlier and, and they market earlier. But they come at the right time because they come in that July August kind of a deal where they can kind of go to a summer grass deal to graze out or coming into August, September, they're in a situation where they go to a backgrounding yard waiting to go on a wheat pasture deal. So um, when, when we've got this fat cattle market like it is, that lends itself to at least pushing these uh, feeder cattle prices a, a little bit and, and strengthen them. Now, having said all that, I want to make sure that your listeners know this. Our cattle prices, our calf prices, have uh, gotten a little cheaper as this week has moved on. Monday sales were pretty good. Uh, Tuesdays and Wednesday sales were a little bit uh, softer with prices. Personally, I think that's more due to more uh, new calf crops showing up, meaning they're fleshy, they're balling calves, they haven't been weaned, and those kinds of calves, uh, they don't do well because they've got to go somewhere, they've got to kind of get their shots, they've got to get straightened out, all that sort of stuff. So these buyers are kind of taking a little bit of discount there because of the shrink involved again with those kinds of calves. Uh, all of this plays into kind of what we're looking at right now with lower prices. And that will happen as those kinds of calves numbers start increasing. Uh, it's just going to be a trend that will happen. That's former Louisiana cattle market reporter and current CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana, Dave Foster. Dave, thanks so much for your insight today. You're so welcome. Coming up next, we wrap up this week's podcast with a look at the Ag Calendar, where we'll talk to Taylor Fry. She is the state coordinator for the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Institute. She'll talk about a bus tour that they have coming up in just a few days. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. One event coming up on the Ag Calendar this coming week, and that is coming up on Wednesday, May the 9th through the 11th. That is the Louisiana Farms Bus Tour. And to talk about that, I have the state coordinator of the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Institute, Taylor Fry. How are you doing today, Taylor? Hey, Carrie. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Glad to do it. And I want to hear about this Louisiana Farms bus tour that your organization is hosting. Why are you doing this tour? So this is our second year hosting the tour. And the reason why we put it on is because we are trying to get producers and individuals to educate them on improving the management of grazing lands in Louisiana. Now, I know that you're going to make a lot of stops, all of these stops all around Louisiana to different farms. Tell me about a few of the farms you're going to stop at and what producers can expect to see at those farms. Yeah, so our first stop is in Pioneer, Louisiana. And the producer there, his name is Cliff Vining and his wife, Karen, and they are cattle farmers. And something I love about Cliff is that he's definitely an out-of-the-box thinker. He loves to say that farming is really common sense and you can learn everything you need to know through observation. Um, And then we're going to go to Baskin, Louisiana. And Ted Miller is a dairy farmer. He rotationally grazes 1,200 acres of pasture. He focuses on soil health as well. Then we'll be going to Woodville, Mississippi, where Cooper and Katie Hurst raise Angus-based cow-calf operation. And then Wedge and Sammy Barth, they are brothers in East Feliciana Parish. They practice something really cool called silvopasture. And that's where cows go into the pine trees and can control the brush through grazing. And then we're going to stop by my parents' farm, Four Oaks Farm, and we are crawfish farmers. And we'll be able to enjoy freshly boiled crawfish just caught out the field and have live music. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's going to be dinner It does sound like a great time. Taylor, I know this is coming up real soon. Do you have a few seats left on the bus if someone listening wants to register? Yes, we do. If they want to register, they can call me. My number is 225-240-3376, or they can visit our website, louisianaglci.org, and register online. 
Well, Taylor, it sounds like a great bus tour. And again, if anyone is interested in jumping on the bus, there's still seats left. Go to louisianaglci.org and you can register right there on their website. Taylor Fry, State Coordinator for the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Institute. Taylor, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Thank you. That wraps up episode four of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I hope you enjoyed it today, and we hope to have you right back here next week. In the meantime, be sure to connect with us online, our website, voiceoflaag.org. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter, both at Voice of LA Ag. Both of those accounts are updated daily with the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. We'll see you right back here again next week. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Carrie Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org. And LAFarmBureau.org.